everyone. Hey, good to see you all here today. Uh, we had to cut that last section out because the next thing Seinfeld says is, yes, I want insurance because I'm going to beat the H out of this car. <laughs> so I thought we should show that here since it's church and everything. You agree? Everyone vote for me? Yeah, awesome. Uh, how many of you were here last week? Okay, so you know that we're kind of like in a Seinfeld thing here right now. But uh, this week, the video actually does have some application to what we're talking about. And, um, and I, I want to kind of draw that out for you right now. Uh, God, God, the God that, that you and I come to know through Jesus Christ, he knows how to keep a reservation. He doesn't just take them, he holds them. And none of us get shortchanged. None of us end up with a compact car. You know, we all get the luxury model. And that's, that, that, that's, that's what we get through Jesus. And so none of us show up and say, well, you know, I, I just got this little compact. No, we all get the luxury model. That's the way God is. He keeps his promises. He doesn't back out on his word. Now, um, we've been talking about the gospel, if you remember that. How many of you know uh, what the gospel of the kingdom is? What is the gospel? Uh, gospel, the word means what? It means good news. And inherent within the word itself is this idea of the announcement of good news. That's that, it means the proclamation of good news. Because don't you know that if good news isn't announced, it doesn't do any good, does it? If good news isn't shared, it doesn't do any good. It doesn't benefit anyone. And so the very word gospel has within it the concept of an announcement, of proclaiming, of sharing this good news that Jesus died for us so that we could come into relationship with God. And, and we call it the gospel of the kingdom because the gospel itself is the entry point into kingdom of God type living. And when we talk about the kingdom of God, um, we, we really do need to think in terms of heaven on earth. That's what Jesus said. He prayed, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when you think of the kingdom of God, kingdom of God is the place that where God is, where stuff's done God's way, the way he created it to be, where things are done according to the pattern that God created us for. And so we think of heaven and we think, well, it's a perfect place. Well, it's a place, it's perfect because uh, everything's done the way God created it to be done. And so then think of when heaven comes into this world, when heaven breaks into this world, that's the kingdom of God. God's presence breaking into this world and lives being aligned with what God wants to do and God's way of life. Now, a lot of people think of the good news, the gospel, and they think, well, okay, the, 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 biggest, uh, the biggest deal about that is I get to go to heaven, what? When I die, okay? We can all say that together. I get to go to heaven when I die, okay? And so it's kind of like, well, I accept Jesus now, and then, you know, I really hope God holds on to my reservation which he does, by the way, okay? He does. He doesn't lose your reservation. But it's more than that. It's not just, I get to go to heaven when I die. Because God's intent, if you remember this from last week, God, God wants more than just to get us into heaven after this life. 
God wants to get heaven into us during this lifetime. That's his goal. And then when we go to heaven, that's just kind of like the end of the process. But God wants to release heaven-like life. He wants to release kingdom of God life into our lives today. That's what happens uh, through the gospel of the kingdom. Now, when you think of that, it means we have to really have a concept of what heaven is like. Uh, I, you know, some people would say, you know, if, if you just think for a moment with me here, what would, what would be the greatest thing about heaven for you? You know, what would be the greatest thing that you would say, yeah, that's why I'm looking forward to heaven. I, you know, some people would say, well, I'm going to get to go fishing every day and the fish are going to be biting, you know, and I, I'm going to get to pull in whatever fish I want and that's going to be heaven. Other people would say, oh, when I get to heaven, I'll get to see my grandmother. And that's going to be the most wonderful thing about heaven. Other people might say, well, I'm going to get a big house and, or, or I'm going to get a brand new car or, or on and on. I, some people would say, well, the streets are paved with gold. So that's just going to be cool to be at a place where the streets are paved with gold. And all those things might be true. Even the fishing part, I don't know. You know, if, if you still want to go fishing when you get to heaven, my guess is you'll get to go, okay? Uh, I can't, can't prove that. But um, the real essence of heaven is one thing. The real essence of heaven and why it's going to be so fantastic is one thing. And that is the presence of God. When we go to heaven, we are going to experience the fullness of the presence of God. The Bible pictures it as God being in the center and then these concentric circles. First, uh, these angelic beings that worship in God's presence 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then outside that, uh, the, the church is represented with a group called the 24 elders and then believers from all ages and, and just completely surrounding this central location is God. And there's worship that just ripples from the center out, just constantly worship rippling out. And everyone there has a front row seat. Everyone does. There, there aren't any uh, seats up in the peanut gallery where you're so far away that you can, you know, you can barely see. Can you really see God? Do you think he's really there today? Or, is, you know, no, we're all going to be in his immediate, intimate presence and be together worshiping. I mean, that's why we value worship here at this church so much. I mean, isn't it the most awesome thing when we worship and not only is there some excitement in the worship, but there's just like something in the air. It's just, there are times when we're worshiping corporately where you just, just kind of like feel God's presence, just kind of like come into the room. And, and he's just here. He's just kind of like stirring and moving. And, and, and you just sense, I mean, it feels like wind almost sometimes. Sometimes it just feels like uh, the air gets heavy or thick. But there's, there's no greater joy that a human being can experience in this world than the joy of worshiping when the Holy Spirit actually manifests and reveals the presence of God. And the reason that's so awesome is that's just a taste of what we're made for. It's a taste of heaven. And so God's desire is that we experience heaven right now in our lives as individuals. That means growing to be more like Jesus. That does mean reading the Bible and studying the Bible so that 
we renew our minds and we start to think more in line with the values of heaven. God wants the values of heaven to fill our minds and our hearts and our lives so that we think and we relate to others and we make our decisions and, and we, are, we take actions based upon the values of heaven. And at the same time, to just grow closer and closer to Jesus. And those two things happen together. One of them is uh, an, an experience that we have in our way of thinking. And the other one is just a tangible experience of God's presence. We get closer and closer to Jesus in both ways. But he wants to fill us with heaven's life. And so um, uh, th- this message, the, the gospel of the kingdom... Uh, last two weeks, we're focused on the fact that we are heirs of God. Heirs. And Romans 8, let, let's, let's throw that verse up there and take a look at it. Romans 8 says this, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if children, we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Okay, we saw last week an heir is the person that has the legal right to receive the property that someone else leaves behind. Someone dies, and they have heirs. If they wrote a will, they choose who their heirs are. If they didn't write a will, then it's their next of kin, that, uh, that's people they're related to, that have the right to their property. In some cultures, even the right to a title or to a, a position. Uh, in, in our culture, you can inherit things like um, uh, uh, airline points, and, uh, and maybe, the, maybe the opportunity to join a certain uh, exercise club or something like that that's exclusive. You can inherit those sorts of things. But, but we are heirs of God. And so we need to think in terms of what God has is what's being passed on to us. So what God has is what's being passed on to us. And we need to recognize that He does this Freely and joyfully. The Bible says, Your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Jesus said that. That God the Father, it it gives him joy. He gets a kick out of it when he gets to release kingdom of God, heavenly type blessings into our lives. God, God likes that. He enjoys it. So we don't ever have to feel like, well, God's holding out on us or... Yeah, I know God's going to bless those other people, but uh, yeah, I'm different. Uh, you know, there's something, you know, something about me that's different, and I'm not going to experience that, I know, just because I'm different, and I always kind of get left out. You know, th- those are all lies from the enemy. Those are all lies left over from the life before Jesus. If you've received Jesus, then God loves you intensely, and he enjoys pouring blessings out in your life. If you haven't yet come to know Jesus, then God loves you intently and intensely, and He's just longing, just waiting. He's just his his heart. There's like a heart sickness He's experiencing because He wants you to come to Jesus and come into relationship with Him through Jesus, so that He can pour these blessings out into your life, and so that He can know you intimately. That's what God wants. That's what God's desire is for each and every one of us. Now, heirs of God. And just the blessing and the willingness that God blesses us uh, with, with, with all of this, all these spiritual blessings uh, from heaven. I, I had a great uncle. Uh, he was my dad's uncle. And uh, on that side of the family, there were some names that were kind of different. Like 
I had an Aunt Zula. And Aunt Zula actually married a guy named Zeeland. So I had an Aunt Zula and an Uncle Zeeland. And I'm assuming that somewhere at some point in time, uh, th- those were just common names in some culture and uh, wonderful people. But uh, we had an Uncle Ori, and which is a name not quite as odd. But um, th- this uncle that I got to know well, his name was Oddly. And so not O-D-D-L-Y. It was A-U-D-L-E-Y, okay? Uh, uncle Oddly. And uh, I knew him when he was in his 80s. And he farmed until he was 88. He had cows in his barn and took care of them. And um, uh, he had been a school teacher as a young man and was very smart and had opinions. And I, I would stop to see him on my way home from college. And uh, for a while I commuted. And then uh, when I would be driving home on weekends, I'd always stop and see Uncle Wadley and spend some time with him. And his house was the kind of house that, um, you know, like he saved everything. So there was a trail through the house between stacks of newspapers and other stuff that you didn't even want to delve into. You don't even want to know what that is. But uh, we'd sit and talk, and I'd talk to him about Jesus and how Jesus had changed my life, and, and we'd talk about spiritual things, about life, and just all sorts of things. Uh, yeah, Uncle Wadley had this little dog named Trixie, and um, I remember sitting there just hoping that Trixie would not jump up on my lap. Because Trixie was one of these dogs, you know, that spends about half of her time dragging her butt across the carpet. You ever seen that? And, and then you're just thinking, oh, Trixie, please just leave me alone. But on the occasions when she did jump on my lap, I loved on her because I loved my Uncle Audley and he loved her. And she was special to him. So, you know, I'm going I'm to love on her too. Well, Uncle Audley, when Uncle Audley passed away um, and he left a will... Uh, out of all of the cousins, I was the only one that he named in his will. Now, it was just a couple hundred dollars. It, it wasn't a lot. He didn't have a lot. But he, he made the decision to put me into his will. He wanted me into his, in his will, which was just kind of like a, a blessing saying, yeah, you, know, you were a friend. We had a good relationship, and I appreciate you, and I appreciate all that time we spent together. But it was a willingness on his part to do that 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 really blessed me. And um, when we say that God gets joy out of blessing us, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about God. He he enjoys us. He doesn't. Okay, he enjoys us. You got to think. You have to think of it in those terms. Otherwise, we can get locked in this type of thinking that says, well, of course God loves us. It's his job. He loves us. You know, just like the president would say he loves me because I'm one of his citizens, but I don't know him and he doesn't know me. And, you know, I mean, on and on. Like, like you know, it's, some, it's God's duty to love us. But that's not the way it is. God loves us because he's love. He loves us. That's why he created us so he can love us. He created us specifically in his image so that he could pour his love out onto us and we could love him back. And he could look at us and he could say, Junior, you know, daughter, you know, I, I, there, there's, there's no greater joy, I think, in this world that anybody gets than to have children and to see themselves reflected back to them in their children. Any of you here who have children, you know what I mean? You know, when that baby's little and they're saying, Wow, he has your eyes. You know, I think the baby looks like you. 
And the parent, it's just, it kind of like delights the parent's heart. And I think there's no greater joy God gets than to look at us and to see himself reflected back in us. That's why he made us in his image. And that's why Jesus came to redeem us with this incredible gospel of the kingdom. And that's why when, Jesus, when, when a person receives Jesus, that's why the Holy Spirit changes them, changes us from that fallen person who fit in this broken, fallen world because I had a fallen, broken heart and inner person. He changes all of that. And he renews me and restores me and gives me new life and makes me a new person. He recreates me so that I now have this new person. Now, that old person's dead. This new person is able to love him back and able to receive his blessings and able to receive the blessings of becoming more like Jesus. And so God's able to look at us then, and I can just picture him speaking to some of the angels and saying, hey, hey, look at that one. He has my ears. Don't you, do you see that? Come on, come on, admit it. You can tell. And did you hear what, you hear what he just said? That's the same kind of thing I say. Did you hear the tone of voice he used? That's exactly the same type of tone of voice I use. And, and God looks at us and he delights in us in that way. He's a father. And remember, the father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. It gives the father joy to bless us with kingdom blessings. He does that all through Jesus. And uh, it's just the most amazing thing. We are heirs of God. Incredible. This whole heir thing, uh, when we think of inheritance, it doesn't always mean money or even any type of material possessions or or, or even necessarily some privilege like um, delta miles or something like that. There are promises that are passed on too. And in the Old Testament, God made a promise to a guy named Abraham. And God promised Abraham that Abraham, his posterity would become a great nation. And out of that nation, there would be one born who would bless the whole world. That would be the Messiah. Now, Abraham lived his life out and did not see the fulfillment of the promise. So that promise was passed on to his son, Isaac. He received the promise through his father. He inherited it from him. Isaac lived his lifetime and did not see the promise fulfilled. He passed it on to his son, Jacob, who was also called Israel. Then Israel lived his lifetime and didn't see it fulfilled, but he had 12 sons. And he passed up some of the promise on to each of them. They all got a portion of it. But Judah, the one son, got, was the son of promise. And he actually inherited Ab- the Abrahamic promise. And then it was out of the tribe of Judah that Jesus was born. And so Jesus himself was the fulfillment of God the Father's promise to this guy Abraham. And Jesus was the one who was the recipient of all of the promises of the Old Testament. He received them all and experienced them all. And through that, you and I, when we become united with him, by that, I receive him into my life. I put a a living faith in him. However you want to picture that, I, I put my faith in Jesus. At that moment, all of his riches... I share with them. And that's why we're called co-heirs or joint heirs. They're mine and they're his. Not, Not I get a piece of them. I get the whole deal. 
and he, owns, he gets the whole deal. So we are joint owners of the blessings of God and of uh, the, this incredible promise of God. Now, I was thinking about this this week, and this thought came to me. In Hebrews 9, uh, it, the, it, very clearly it teaches that without death, an inheritance can't be passed on. So the, the person that is leaving the inheritance has to die in order for a will to go into effect so that the heir can receive the actual inheritance. And Hebrews 9 goes into great detail discussing that. Well, here's what happened. Jesus, he lives his perfect life and in, in, as an inheritor of all the promises that God's made. And as the possessor of all these promises that God's made. And then he dies and he names you and me in his will. All of us who receive Jesus are named specifically in his will. So we get the inheritance. But then what happens? Jesus came back to life three days later. Now, I've often wondered, what if, like, somebody died and they had a will and, you know, the, the lawyers are all in, in motion working to get the will figured out? I know it takes longer than three days to do anything like that. But what if that person came back to life after a few days? I mean, what if something happened that they did? I would assume everything would still be theirs, wouldn't it? I mean, it would still be theirs. And the heirs who were thinking, oh, you know, here, here, this inheritance, you know, no, no, I don't get the inheritance because they came back to life. But you see, Jesus came back to life. And in his coming back to life, what he does is he just says, well, I'm alive now. I welcome you all into the inheritance with me. We will be co-heirs. We are joint heirs. Everything I have, you have. Everything I have access to, you have access to. And the Bible says that we have every spiritual blessing, every, everything in heaven, every spiritual blessing we have through relationship with Jesus. If you want to look that up later, it's in the first chapter of Ephesians. You can just read through that chapter and you'll find it. It's an incredible promise. But it's because Jesus is alive that we are joint heirs with him. We share with him in the promise, in the inheritance. Now, what it means is that if Jesus had peace, which he did, then I have Jesus' peace. If Jesus had hope, which he did, then I have his hope inside me. If Jesus had uh, strength, then I have strength inside me. Whatever Jesus had, I have. It's in me. It might need to be opened. Yeah, it just might need to be opened. I might need to become aware of it. I, my, my mind has to be renewed. I have to read the Bible and believe the Bible so that I can see what the inheritance is that I have through Jesus. But as I do that and as I see it and, and I begin to say, well, wow, Jesus, you have peace. So even though I'm going through this time of turmoil, Jesus, does that mean that in spite of the turmoil, I can experience your peace because your peace is in me? And that's exactly what it means. Even in spite of the fact that uh, things haven't been going well, I can have hope because your hope is in me. Yeah, that's exactly what it means. And all of this is released in us. All of this is brought to us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. That was one of the promises in the Old Testament that Jesus tapped into and that Jesus actually was the fulfillment of. But in Ezekiel 36... Here, God is uh, making this incredible promise. Uh, and before Jesus, 
when people got saved, they, they, came, they were saved by faith, but they didn't have all the same things happen to them that happen to us now. You know, like now the Holy Spirit literally comes inside us. Before Jesus came and died on the cross, the Holy Spirit would come and be with people, but not inside them in the same sense that he is today. And so this is a promise of what's going to happen when Jesus actually comes. God says, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. And I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and I'll give you a tender, responsive heart. That sounds good, doesn't it? Do you ever just get tired of the fact that you're impatient or that you snap or that you, that you uh, get discouraged easily? And you, and you, boy, God, why don't you just change my heart? Well, if you've accepted Jesus, if you know Jesus, he's already changed it. And it's right there. It's kind of like a computer program that, that hasn't been opened yet. And you have to open it and install it. And so he says, I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you. Now, Jesus was the fulfillment of this because Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. And then on the basis of that, Jesus went about doing good everywhere he went, healing the sick, freeing the demonized because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus didn't even enter into ministry until he received this anointing of the Holy Spirit. That happened at his baptism, and that was the beginning of his public ministry. There's no indication that Jesus did any miracles prior to that or that, uh, that, that he um, did anything in a public nature prior to that. And so anointing of the Holy Spirit came on him, and that's when Jesus first goes into the wilderness and experiences this, these attacks from Satan, but Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. And so as a spirit-filled human being, he was able to resist Satan. And then as a spirit-filled human being, he went, he went around ministering to people and carrying the presence of God everywhere he went and releasing the presence and the power of God everywhere he went. You see, Jesus was the Son of God, fully God, fully human and fully God at the same time. I mean, that's mind-blowing, but that's what the Bible teaches. But he didn't use his power as God. He set that aside. He could have used it, but he set that aside. And he decided and agreed to live in the power of the Holy Spirit as a real human would do, as you have to do, and as I have to do. So that we could actually follow him. He was the perfect, spirit-filled human being. That's why we can follow him, because the Holy Spirit comes into us. That's what Jesus promised us. In fact, in one place in John 7, Jesus stood up and shouted this out to a whole crowd of people. And he said, if anyone believes in me, he said, out of their belly, out of their innermost being, is going to flow rivers of living water. Now, I, you know, cool, fresh, clear water always sounds good to me. And I grew up in a place where... Uh, where we did a lot of hiking into the woods and periodically would find a new spring or would find a place where there was a pipe coming out of the side of the hill. And it was just this awesome, cool, fresh water that we would, would experience. And Jesus here is, is calling it living water. 
And he's saying that the person that believes in him, the Holy Spirit, he says later in that passage, John 7, that he was talking about the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying, for those of you who believe in me, once I, once I die and then I'm resurrected and I go back to the right hand of the Father, then I'm going to pour the Holy Spirit out. And he's going to fill you to the point that everywhere you go, life is going to gush out. Life, living water. It's just going just to flow out of you everywhere you go. That's how Jesus lived. That's what Jesus did. He, everywhere he went, there was life that just flowed out of him. People were amazed to be in his presence. How many of you know the story of the woman that fought her way through the crowd so she could just touch the hem of Jesus' cloak? You know that story? She's healed, wasn't she? Remember that? Do you know that there's another place in the Bible in Luke 6 that it says everybody was doing that? It says the whole multitude, they saw Jesus coming. And not, not only could, did he teach differently than others... And it wasn't just that he had the perfect words or the great illustrations. There was anointing of the Holy Spirit on him so that when he spoke, people heard God speak. And when he came by, people sensed God's presence and they wanted to just touch him. The crowds were fighting past each other just to touch him because they knew if they could just touch him, power would flow and they would be healed. And then Jesus says, well, look, you see what's happening with me. I'm opening that same type of life up to you. And when you believe in me, there's going to be life that's just going to flow out of you because the Holy Spirit's going to fill you and he's just going to flow through you to bless others. Now, question then you know, comes, well, how do I get in on that? And uh, you know, am I in on that? And to what degree am I in on that? And I want to say this, anybody that's a believer in Jesus has the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who saves us. He's the one who changes us, who gives us a new heart. And that's what it is to become a believer, to be, born, to be born again. He rebirths us. And so if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you. But for us to fully experience what the Holy Spirit wants to do through us, sometimes is a learning process. It, as I said earlier, we have to learn Scripture so that we can think in, in heavenly value system and as we're thinking in a heavenly value system, we need to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and to have His presence there sort of unlocked so that we begin to experience His joy and His life and just in a tangible way, the presence of God. Uh, Jesus uh, promises this and then uh, it, it, the fulfillment of that uh, initial fulfillment happened on one day when uh, the Holy Spirit came and fell on this group of disciples and the apostles. And uh, the, the Holy Spirit just came on them and they were just delirious with joy. And so much so that people that saw them thought they were drunk. They thought, what's up with these? But it was just the Holy Spirit was, was just all over them and in them and filling them. And they were filled with joy. So all this, all this stuff is happening because they're just, they're giddy with joy. And Peter stood up and one of the things he said was, he quoted God from the Old Testament and God said this. He said, in that day, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, what that means is all 
You know, are you a people? How many, anybody here that's not a person? We're all persons, aren't we? Raise your hand right now and just say, I am a person, okay? I'm a person. I'm one of the people. Say that. I am one of the people. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now you look through the book of Acts and you see how he did that. And over and over again, the Holy Spirit came on people in a tangible felt way where they experienced his presence. And, and they, 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 they knew that something's, diff- something's different right now. What's happening? Something's different there's, there's this experience of God's presence. It's like the difference between me saying, wow, there's my beautiful wife over there. The difference between that and saying, you know, man, look, she has this great looking hair. Would you like to stand up on the stage, honey, and I could describe you? <laughs> no? Okay, okay. Uh, she has a great smile, and wow, she's awesome. That's one thing. It's another thing for me to walk over after when you're not all looking and give her a hug and a kiss. I experience, I, I experience her personally. And the Holy Spirit wants us to experience his presence. Just to experience his presence. And I know for some of us, you know, we maybe come from a background, well, well, that's kind of, I'm kind of afraid of that because I don't know what's going to happen. Or some of us might have been taught that experiences aren't good. That's where I was. Uh, for a lot of years, I thought experience, you know, is not good. But th- throughout the book of Acts, every time the Holy Spirit comes and touches people, they experience something and other people could see it. Paul met one group that were believers and he's talking to them and he's just sensing something. And so he says, hey, I got to ask you, have you guys received the Holy Spirit yet? And you, you got to ask, why did he ask that question? And there has to have been, he's listening and sensing and, and not seeing what he needs, you know, what, what normally you would see if the Holy Spirit was just bubbling up in people and, and rivers of living water were flowing through them. And they said, no, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And so Paul lays hands on them and it says the Holy Spirit fell on them and just came on them. And, and, it, and it is a physical, tangible experience when that happens. And I think God wants every one of us to have some taste of that. Now, I, I, don't, I, I know for myself the first time, I just had a taste of the presence of the Holy Spirit. I was out walking and I was praying. And I was praying all the time, oh God, come. I, you know, I, I, I come to believe that we could experience God's presence. And I was just praying for that for weeks and weeks. And finally, as I'm walking in the dark one night, I just had this sense for like 20, 30 seconds of God's presence. I feel it right now. But just this sense that there's just something kind of resting on you. And, um, and it was just delightful. And then it lifted. And I stopped. I said, whoa, wait a second. I want more of that. And, and I mean, I didn't fall down or anything. I'm still walking. But but the Lord spoke to me and said, well, that's all you're ready for right now. There will be more, but that's all you're ready for right now. And so I don't know where you're at, but I want to say that, um, I mean, and I can't predict what the Holy Spirit does. I'm not going to say he's going to deal with you the same way he did with me. I don't know. But I know he'll, he'll deal with each one of us in exactly what we need. If we're just open to say, I trust you. I trust you. 
I want to experience your presence. Sometimes experiencing his presence is like, like feeling a blanket or a warm blanket fall all over your body. Sometimes I feel his presence just on my back. Sometimes I feel his presence pressing in this way. Sometimes it's like, I, like I'm in a room with people and I, I just sense like a swirling in the room. Or sometimes I just sense like you just feel like, well, the Holy Spirit, it's almost like the Holy Spirit just came in that window and just kind of moved around the room and you can just sense that. But um, he wants us all to have a taste of his presence. And my encouragement to you is wherever you are, uh, if you haven't accepted Jesus yet, then just accept Jesus. Just Jesus, here I am. I want you in my life. And Holy Spirit's going to touch you right now, right on the spot. If you've already accepted Jesus and you know you know him, but you, you haven't really entered into this range of starting to experience his presence then just open yourself up to that and say, Holy Spirit, I do. I do want, I want a hug from my Father. That's what it's like. I want a hug from my Father in heaven. Would you just come now? Let me experience your presence, Holy Spirit. And when you ask him that, he'll respond to it because he wants to pour his Spirit out on all people. And who are you? You're, you're all people, right? And so that's, that's what God's desire is. Um, so what we're going to do now is worship. We're going to have communion. Communion is just this really special time that, um, uh, that is a tangible form of worship where we, we take this little cracker that Jesus started this and he gave them flat bread and he said, break this bread apart and broke it apart. And he said, now this represents my body. And the next day he was going to die for them. He said, this represents my body. Take it and, and eat it. And he gave them wine, and he said, now this wine represents my blood, which I'm going to shed for you. Take this and drink it. So the way we do this here is we have stations in the back and in the front, and, you, and you'll go to a station, you'll pick up one of the little, looks like a cracker, and uh, you, you dip it in the juice, and you realize this, I am saying by doing this that I have a real living Savior who died for me, and I need him. I need him. And we eat that, which just symbolizes our total need for him. And as you do that today, I just, I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and for him to heal some of us. Sometimes people are healed. It's not, the virtue is not in the elements. Okay, the virtue is in the obedience. And the release of God's presence is in our hearts, just saying, Jesus, I want what you want. I want to honor you. That's where the virtue is, and that's where the healing is. But sometimes people are healed when they do this. Sometimes people are just touched by the Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm going to pray for right now. Okay, the worship team's going to come. And what we're going to do is we're just going to enter into worship. And um, um, then you'll be free to come and, and uh, take communion when you're ready to. But let's, let's just open our hearts to the Lord right now, okay? And just open your heart with me. And Father, I just want to say personally, thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you delight in pouring out kingdom of God, heaven-type blessings into our lives. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the, your God present with us. You bring heaven to us. You're in us. We, we want to experience you more fully, Holy Spirit. So open our minds to see Jesus. Open our inner eyes to see the riches that we have through Jesus, our Lord. 
Open our eyes to see Father, Son, and Spirit more fully. Holy Spirit, come and let us experience your presence as we worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.